smart politics for stupid times. Welcome to the Unprecedented Podcast with John Aravosis and Cliff Schechter. Welcome back, everybody. Today, we're very pleased to have Mary Trump with us. Mary, you may recall, is the daughter of uh, the late Fred Trump Jr., a commercial pilot with TWA and the brother of President Donald Trump. Um, Mary is herself a psychologist, which I was intrigued to see because I honestly thought you might be a, <laughs> I thought you might be a lawyer, actually, because um, you remind me you're very legal like I am, I think, with the brain, <laughs> legal on the brain. Um, business person and author, and Mary, of course, is in the news of late because she just authored the book, Too Much and Never Enough, How My Family Created the World's Most Dangerous Man, a book about Donald Trump that she described as a narrative about my family and how Donald Trump became the person that he is. Um, Mary, and if that isn't a lot, if that isn't Mary. a lot for a book, um, Mary, and Mary, I'm here too. Not nearly as important. <laughs> oh, Cliff! And, and John forgot to introduce me because Mary's I'm so much excited cooler and has here. a better story. But um, but yeah, I'm hanging Maybe. out too, just for the hell of it. Um, no, that, seriously, that and, guy is here too. But yeah, <laughs> we we're very conversive in our in our. Uh, we, we talk and we're back and forth in our podcast. We're not very. I'm Cliff Schechter from the whole, you know. No, I know. I've thank listened. I've, I listened to your show. I know. Oh, thank you. Oh, my gosh. Um, yes. And I listened to, where's Sasha? I was Sasha's to... chewing her bone on the floor right now. Right. Um, if I try to lean, I think my mic is going to come popping out, yeah. but she's very happy I... chewing, which is kind of a good thing because it's, she's not like whining to go out. No, there, there's a reason my pets aren't in the room. So. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I've got oh, four I... cats and yeah. they uh, enter and exit it, but they don't seem to, to have the sort of joie de vivre of john's dog so, well um, but first we have a quick word from omaha steaks if i may and then we're going to oh. jump right in with mary um so summer folks is all about grilling and no one understands grilling better than omaha steaks their grand summer grill out package lets you stay home and eat like you're at the best steakhouse in town all for much less they've got bacon wrapped filet mignon pork chops chicken kielbasa and more all delivered to your door with ease and right now omaha steaks is offering an exclusive deal on this amazing package go to omahasteaks.com enter the code liberal into the search bar and for this week only omaha steaks will add four burgers and four gourmet jumbo franks for free with your order omaha Omaha Steaks delivers guaranteed quality and safety with every order. Your order will arrive flash frozen, vacuum sealed, and safely delivered to your door in a cooler with dry ice. Go to omahasteaks.com, type liberal in the search bar, and order the Grand Summer Grill Out Package. For this week only, you'll also receive four Jumbo Franks and four Omaha Steaks burgers free to complete your steakhouse experience. <laughs> That's omahasteaks.com, enter code liberal in the search bar. Woo! Yay, how can you not be hungry now? And now we've got a good, eh, I'm going to set 425 is when I'm going to jump in and be a nag and say, all right, Cliff, do the next ad. Um, <laughs> so Mary, um, I, I, we start with the book. Yeah, you, we have to. Let me say, I think you have been a missing Trump. I did not know of your existence until the book came out. Right. Um, I also had no idea that you were gay. I was, I told Mary before the show on Twitter, privately, I said, you know, I saw the rainbow flag in your profile and I thought you were like one of these supportive straight people. Right. <laughs> Cause I yeah. thought I would have heard about it, well, which was great, but I thought I would have heard about it if there was like a gay Trump. And then I Googled and in all the stories it mentioned it and I went, wow. Yeah. Eh, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, but, yeah. you've, but you've been rather, um, I don't want to say reticent, but you've you've not really clamored on the Trump gravy train of fame, really, in your life. No, and that's by design. Um, you know, I well, first of all, I, I've essentially been out of the family for about twenty years because I got disinherited. Uh, so that's that's a fairly subtle hint, right? That, <laughs> yeah, you know, um, that I should go elsewhere. Um, and you know, even before that, I I always felt um, I I, know, I didn't really have a lot of uh, in common with anybody in my family. I I, I feel like in some ways, like I kind of took over my dad's role as the black sheep. Um, and you know, I'm just I I'm just different. I I I wasn't interested in uh, the their lifestyle or. Um, and they certainly were spectacularly incurious about my life. And, you know, I just wanted a different way. I, I was uh, an, interested in being an academic initially. Um, and then, 
obviously became a psychologist. Right. And that's around the time when, um, you know, the, the disinheritance and the lawsuit happened. And I just never, you know, even when I was actively in the family um, and things started getting complicated with the name, I never admitted the relationship, not because I was, it had nothing to do with shame or anything. It just was, it was easier. People got really right. weird if they right. thought that I was related. Um, and I didn't like the way people responded, it made me really uncomfortable. So it was just easier to say, nope, just a coincidence, even though I look exactly like all of right. them and I'm, it's a really uncommon name and I'm from New York. You know? Right. <laughs> so and the, well, but Cliff, real quick, I just want to ask you, yeah. Fain, so real quick, but what about, I mean, your cousins then, so Ivanka and those guys are your first cousins. Yeah. And have you had any contact with them over the years, really? Or not, not the kind of, my first cousins are like my best friends. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you know, I, I who knows uh, what it would have been like if we'd been sort of close in age, but we're not. Um, Donnie's That's 12 point, years yeah. younger than I am. Ivanka's 16 years younger than I am. And I don't know how much younger the rest of them are, but younger than that. So, yeah. you know, and and um, I think it, it requires making an effort. Um, so I only really saw them at holidays, mm-hmm. um, you know, and also when they were little, like I was in college, I was in grad school, I was living right elsewhere uh you know i lived in boston for a while um so you know my uh it just never we never really uh spent any kind of quality time together and and that's okay um you know but i so it's why i find it odd when people refer to the lack of relationship with them as as a way to uh, undermine anything else i have to say when we were essentially in different generations yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, and I mean, I would think for you, you said you're in Boston for a while, so that maybe is a little different, but I don't think everybody always knows. I mean, I grew up in New York City, and, you know, from the early 80s on, you know, the Trump name was so big that I would, you know, think that that would be even a polarizing name and, and relatively uncomfortable back then, right? So, I mean, it's, yeah. so for people out there thinking that this is just something new the last seven years or however many, not in New York. Um, no. But that, that was a challenge growing up, too, probably. And, you know, that's a, it's a really good point, too, because uh, Donald's kids grew up in a way I did not. I grew up in Jamaica, Queens, which was like a, a lower middle class, working yep. class, uh, diverse kind of uh, neighborhood. I mean, by diverse, I mean, back in the 70s, it was predominantly black and uh, the rest white um, and, yep. you know, segregated by the street I lived on, essentially. So, you know, I took the subway to school. Um you know, I went to Q Forest, but, um, you know, took the subway and I didn't have, we weren't rich. I didn't have rich friends. Uh, so it was a completely different universe. And when I was at, at, at Tufts going to college, uh, that's when Donald was becoming more and more known. And it was, you know, this is before the internet, it's before cell phones. Right. So it was really easy for me to opt out because you know, when I did hear anything, it was so unpleasant. Like when I heard about the Central Park Five, it's like, I don't want to know. I can't, I just don't, I can't know this. It's, it's too horrifying. So. Why, why, well, was yeah. it, why wasn't your family rich? Was this because your father was cut out? Or, I mean, before he died, did he not have the same amount of money that Donald and everybody else had? Or? Oh, he absolutely did not. Um, oh, I but, didn't realize that. Yeah. I, although, I mean, I want, I want to clarify what I meant. I mean, I didn't grow up rich like we lived in (laughs) yeah no i mean it it was this sort of weird combination of um having all of the material advantages in some ways like private schools and sailing camps and all of that other stuff but also this this weird sense of scarcity i mean i grew up in a an apartment building in jamaica my grandfather owned the building. And as I much later found out, I apparently owned 10% of it, but it was like it was a shitty apartment building in Jamaica, Queens. So, right. you, know, um, you were a victim of, of their own slumlords. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, but to tell you the truth, it's the best thing that ever happened to me other than uh, camp was growing up where I did because it really grounded me and it gave me a perspective that I wouldn't have had otherwise. Right. I mean, that um, sounds yeah, yeah, a lot. I would say, Cliff, if you've got something otherwise, I wouldn't mind delving more into the book. Yeah, no, let's go to the book. Um, I was going to say, it's funny. Sometimes we'll talk. It sounds like your your background is a lot like mine in New York, where I grew up in a very middle-class family. Peter Cooper Village, 
you know, rent control in downtown Manhattan, mm-hmm. um, but went to those kinds of schools. Right. And so if anything can ground you, it's not, again, I'm not trying to sound humble or, you know, like I didn't, I had a, compared to most people, we probably did have a decent amount of money, but yep. compared to the, the kinds of people you're talking about, you know, with James Murdoch, the year behind me in high school. Right. You know, those kinds of families, you're, you feel the difference. Go ahead, John. Go ahead. We'll talk Mary, about the book. Why didn't you... Why did you do the book now? And why did you not do the book, say, August of 2016, when we knew Donald was the nominee? I'm just curious what yeah. brought it to a head. And I'm curious it didn't come to a head earlier. Yeah, um, no, it's, it's, a, it's a perfectly reasonable question. Um, and initially, you know, I didn't, I ne- it never occurred to me that he was going to get the nomination, let alone anything <laughs> yeah, else. Yeah, us either. <laughs> so, you know, when he did get the nomination, there, cert- there wouldn't have been time to write a book. It took me like two years. So, um, and I still didn't think that the horrible thing that happened would happen. I did, I did consider speaking out um, because I knew how horrible it would be. I knew how unqualified and uh, ill-suited he was. Um, but there was this, and I, you know, I discussed it with my daughter, I discussed it with my friends, and I was really sort of gearing myself up for it. And then I, two things. First, I said, I thought, I don't have anything concrete, you know? It's literally just my experience, my opinion. Right. And the other thing is he was getting away with maligning war heroes, insulting gold star families, uh, mocking disabled reporters, and publicly admitting to sexual assault. So what could I possibly have said? What could you add to all of that? Yeah, I I mean, I would have been painted as a disgruntled, disinherited niece and and been completely dismissed out of hand. Um, So, and, you know, and, and probably put myself at some risk for nothing. So... It wasn't until uh, Suzanne Craig knocked on my door that I began to understand that, that, that I actually might have something tangible to offer. And it, it took a few months, but she finally convinced me that- And that was uh, a New York Times reporter, correct? Yes, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, no, it's okay, just so people know. Suzanne Craig and uh, Russ Butner uh, were responsible for writing that extraordinary um, piece of journalism that was in, in the Times in October of uh, ni- 19, 1918. No, <laughs> wonder, wonder why that date's on my mind. Uh, yeah. uh, 2018. And, uh, you know, it, it essentially showed in quite compelling ways uh, that my family was uh, engaged in all of this illicit tax fraud, uh, etc. So it... Let me ask you real quick. I'm sorry. I have read this, but I hadn't read whether you had confirmed this. The reports say that you had helped provide some of the tax documents to the New York Times or to the media. Is that confirmed or are those press yeah, reports? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I wasn't sure. One of the things Suzanne did was remind me that I had the documents, uh, you know, oh, from funny. the lawsuit. Because, yeah, right. you know, my grand- the will we were contesting was written in 1990. So there's the three-two rule. Oh, Sasha. There she is. There's Hello. Mary had asked right before the show started where Sasha was. So she had, hi, you. Yes, you. So she was wandering. So I thought we'd say hi. Go okay. ahead. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. That was awesome. Thank you. Um, so we got uh, three years worth of documents on one side of the, the will and two side on the other. And uh, two, sorry, two years on the other. And these were um, all of my grandfather's personal taxes, uh, checking account records, oh, and the wow. tax returns for every single property he owned. And there were over four dozen of them. And uh, it turns out there were 30 boxes of documents uh, that my lawyer wow. still had. Um, and he hadn't been, he was only my lawyer for that. So I hadn't even been in touch with him. So first of all, Sue reminded me that I had these in my possession and they belonged to me. They were legally mine. And then she was able to convince me that they might actually provide material that would help them, as she put it, rewrite the financial history of the Trump family. So I thought, okay, well, that's something that could, that is significant and might help. Um, But things being the way they are, it didn't have the impact uh, I think we had hoped it would have. 
Right. But at that time also I realized there, there would be no one single thing. It would be sort of a death by a thousand lashes. Um, and in, in talking things through and giving them context, I realized, well, you know, there's, there's a story to tell here. And I have this thing, this thing I've just done to fall back on if anybody accuses me of, you know, just coming up with this idea to make a buck or, you know, exact right. Um, and yeah, so I started writing the book around, around then. And, you know, the timing, honestly, so is you decided very quickly, I don't interrupt, but you decided sort of after that article that you definitely wanted to write the book. Yeah, it might have even been before that, because, you know, uh, it, in conversation with them, it became clear just that, you know, I didn't know the details, certainly, but that they were really onto something, first of all, and that I had really good stories. And because of my training as a clinical psychologist, I was able to put things in, in perspective that other people couldn't also because of my access to the family when I was younger. You know, Cliff, why don't you do the second ad we have to do? And this is a perfect segue because I wanted to ask Mary about her background as a psychologist yep. talking about Trump himself. And perfect now that we're doing it, uh, doing this via video. So I can go ahead and say, you know what I hate everybody? <laughs> when your social media pops up with a summer vacation oh, from five years ago. I know ago. what you hate, Zoom eyes. <laughs> All right, great, exactly, we're gonna get to that. Great memories, but ugh. It's like, when do these wrinkles and bags around my eyes show up? Delete. Uh, not Mary and, and John, by the way, just me, I wanna be clear. Not this summer, no more pop-up pics with deep wrinkles, fine lines and bag bags under my eyes. And nope, I didn't get surgery, I got Flexiderm. Flexiderm is a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, crow's feet, nice, crow's feet and under eye bags. No, you don't want that many things. All in the comfort of your home in minutes. Flexiderm goes on clear and lasts for hours, so nobody will know your secret. Um, go to tryplexiderm.com and use the, use the code VOICES for half off a full-size bottle of Flexiderm plus an additional $10 off. Um, if you would like to try the $14.95 trial pack today, call 1-800-685-1292 and mention the code VOICES. Again, it's visit triplexiderm.com and use the code VOICES for half off, uh, plus $10 off a full-size bottle. Or if you want the $14.95 trial pack, uh, you can call 1-800-685-1292 and use the code VOICES. All right, now let's get to psychology and Mary Trump. I have no segue, so we'll just go. No, that's great. <laughs> you know, Mary, I think one of the things that's been interesting to me has been, and I'm sure it's funny, you were probably watching silently since you weren't really weighing in four years ago, but over the last several years, we've had a lot of people weigh in about their assumptions about Donald Trump's psychology, mm -hmm. you know, the president, uh, his what's going on in his head. And it's been interesting to me when occasionally psychologists or psychiatrists would weigh in, but I'm really interested because you're a family member who knows them personally, who knows right. what their formation was like as they were yeah. young, and you're somebody trained to actually understand what makes people tick. So That's although, an incredible although, combination in terms of insight. Yeah. I would right. Say. Although I, I understand also that to, to a degree, you've got to be careful because you're not uh, diagnosing him so right. to speak, right? But what can you tell us about what makes Donald Trump tick, knowing personally and also knowing your experience in the field? Well, I, you know, most importantly, and, and it should be obvious by now, uh, his, his pathologies run very deep. Um, they're very complex and they're very long standing. And what are pathologies, uh, by the way? Well- <laughs> Term of art, I mean, what do you mean by- Yeah, 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 no, of course. Um, he's- has no impulse control. Um, he it does not seem able to process information. Uh, he has very little ability to concentrate or focus. And he's incapable also of empathy or, or caring for other people. And if something isn't about him, he- Is it, is it yours? I thought it was Cliff. I thought that was Cliff, so cute. <laughs> I thought I heard that kitty earlier. That kitty's adorable. Donald Trump know. is at her heels screaming <laughs> as she's talking. Right. Uh, oh, my. Hi. That's so cute. Um, you, she can bring her our. Yeah, obviously, there's no problem. Obviously, we have no problem showcasing our pets, clearly. Well, if, he, if he jumps up on me, I will, but I'm okay, afraid yeah. I don't want him to knock the computer off. Um, okay, yeah. Anyway, um, you know, he's, he's so... Um, He's been so inculcated to be the 
winning all the time, right? Like that's his metric. Cause in my family, everything was a zero sum game. If you weren't winning, you were losing. And if you were losing, you were expendable, right? So in every moment, like that's right now, especially because of the pressure he's under because he's so unfit and so unprepared and uh, so, you know, incompetent. Um, the, the stress he's under is, is sort of also creating this sense not only in the moment that he has to be winning, but also in the moment he needs to protect himself and everybody else from figuring out um, that he's really not who he's claimed to be his whole life. Um, and and he, so that, he knows it deep down. Very deep down, yeah. And it, it drives him in a way that should concern everybody. And what's his, What's his biggest flaw is it just a, is there a basic insecurity <laughs> no, but i mean is there i don't mean yeah it's like a, it's like a job interview what's your biggest flaw mary no what, what's his is it a root insecurity what is it at his core that's the 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 most tragic part of his soul that that's that's influencing everything i almost get insecurity out of out of him as being oh the, my gosh uh, he's deeply insecure probably the the most um the thing that drives him most is fear uh, you know, he grew up, well, sorry, when he was very young, two and a half, which is one of the most critical developmental periods of a child's life, his mother was absent because she got very ill and wasn't around for six months to a year. And there was nobody to take her place. Uh, you know, so my grandfather, who was a sociopath, certainly wasn't going to do it. Um, and he lived with this sense of abandonment and uncertainty and fear. And um, it, it made him develop these defense mechanisms that um, over time kind of made it difficult on the one hand for him to read social cues, but also partially because of that made him really difficult to like and almost impossible to love, right? And that's- When, when you say your grandfather was a sociopath, I saw that quoted elsewhere. What do you mean yeah. by that? I mean that, and, and I am diagnosing him. I don't, I don't yeah. mean that colloquially. Uh, my grandfather would be diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder at the extreme end of the mm -hmm. spectrum. You know, so at, at one end of the spectrum, it's just sort of, you know, like criminality and, and disregard for the truth and that kind of thing. But on the, his end of the spectrum, it's literally having no regard for other people and uh, no, it's not that he doesn't know the, didn't know the difference between right and wrong, but you know, like Donald, he doesn't care. You know, the rules don't didn't apply to him. The rules don't apply to Donald because they don't think they'll get caught. Is it an arrogance thing or what? Oh, it's absolutely arrogant, okay. uh, and they never did. So you know, so right, all right, yeah, yeah. And no uh, compassion, obviously, for anybody victimized in that at all, no. right? So no, in fact, um, one of probably the worst. That's hard to tease out, which was the worst thing. But one of the worst things my grandfather did uh, that sociopaths do is to use other people as extensions of themselves. So like he was never able to recognize the individual humanity of his children. And they were, you know, those who, like the girls, for example, could, were not of use to him. So they were irrelevant. My dad, as the oldest son and namesake and heir apparent, needed to be a very particular kind of person in order for my grandfather to make use of him. Right. Um, but my dad was characterologically not that person. So um, uh, my grandfather, it took him a while to figure it out. And, and he was very psychologically abusive to my father and Donald watched that. What and kind of person did your grandfather need your dad to be? Who did he want? What did he want to groom as his heir? What kind of person? You know, he wanted a tough guy, a killer, somebody who would do whatever it took to win, whatever that meant, right? Um, who had no compunction about, you know, taking favors or crossing lines. Sounds like a mobster. Yeah. Yeah, you know, um, I, I, I can't speak to Donald's involvement with figures like that, but my grandfather was certainly involved with uh, people like that. I mean, oh, we're talking right. about uh, Brook uh, Brooklyn and Queens real estate in right. the 40s, 50s, and 60s, so. You know, okay. um, it was sort of unavoidable. The five families and yeah, there's a lot of, right. I didn't realize right. that. Okay. Yeah. yeah so, um, 
by virtue of the fact that Donald was seven and a half years younger than my dad, he saw um, how my grandfather treated my father when he realized that, you know, Freddie was too kind, too generous, not, not serious enough, uh, which meant didn't only care about the family business, right? And he watched how my grandfather just humiliated my father, um, made his life miserable and, and ultimately dismantled him. And because uh, Donald, you know, who knows what Donald would have been like if he'd been, had different parents, yeah. but he certainly had the capacity to become the kind of person my grandfather wanted him to be. Did, did his mom- so I, Can I ask- Go on, close it. Then, yeah. then I wanna ask her about the, Trump's mom too, but go well, ahead. Yeah, this one is important. I, I kind of want to get a feeling for it because obviously we always have the nature versus nurture argument, right? Yep. Can this kind of, is this kind of sociopathy? Um, is this passed from, can it be passed from generation to generation? I'm thinking of the fact that when it comes to just purely behavioral, I'm sorry, I'm jumping into your area here and I'm not nearly as smart. So, <laughs> but, but I mean, obviously I don't have the background, but, but I think of like, let's say the Kennedy family, you know, where Joe Kennedy pushed the kids, you know, mm -hmm. to be, they, they all had to play these sports and be, yep. you know, very sort of, uh, athletic and a lot of people think that that's why John F. Kennedy ended up being such a womanizer because this is yeah. part of what you did as a man. So right. I guess what I'm getting at is, do we, like, are you saying you think that that Donald, because of his dad, became this completely, or do we think maybe some of it was that the sociopathy was passed through genes? Oh is no, I, I, I again, it's impossible to know how, what Donald would have been like uh under better circumstances like maybe like i i believe that my my grandfather was born a sociopath um right. you know there's no evidence to suggest that he had any redeeming characteristics as a human being i do i had seen evidence to suggest that you know donald did have some impulses towards kindness but they had been so perverted by my grandfather's view of kindness is weakness that he was just ne never able to um, nurture them in any way because he had never really been nurtured in any way. So I think it's the way I see it with him it, that it, it was more n nurture than nature. But again, no, I'm just asking opinion. I know obviously yeah, it's yeah. impossible to know. You know, and I I actually don't I don't know what the statistics are. Um, you know, I don't I don't believe that. You know, it's fair, it's not rare sociopathy, but I don't I don't know that it has the same degree of genetic components as something like schizophrenia or alcoholism do. Um, right. But it's actually I should probably check into that. But I was just um, wondering. I, yeah, I had no yeah. idea. You know. Yeah. Um, I've got my glasses on for a reason because we right. have one final ad we've got to do. <laughs> I always feel bad telling folks this, but it's the way it is. Um, quick ad, and then we're going to continue with this because I also wanted to ask about Donald Trump's mother that. Sure. People don't talk about and, you know, hard to imagine moms don't influence you as well. Right. Um, did you know that a large percentage of the face masks sold on the market today are fraudulent? Many of them claim oh. to have levels of filtration they don't meet or worse, have virtually no filtration at all. A very small number of manufacturers have respirator face mask models that are tested in the U.S. by the NPPTL and authorized by the FDA. Buying a mask model that has been FDA authorized is the best way to ensure you and your family are getting a true respirator mask. These masks filter to greater than 95% efficiency and can be reworn, making them a perfect choice, as wearing masks is one of the key things we can do to keep ourselves and our neighbors safe. Right now, the NewDealShop.com has FDA-authorized KN95 respirator masks with anti-fake stickers on every single package. Uh, these respirator masks are in stock in the U.S. and ship immediately for free for my listeners by adding the code sexy liberal you can i believe it's one word sexy liberal you can even get 10 percent off the clean phone uv sanitizer which we've talked about before just for buying these fda authorized masks go to the newdealshop.com now and get verified authenticated fda authorized kn95 masks shipped immediately to your home or business that's the newdealshop.com all righty all we're right done with the ads um mary uh trump's mother is was mary correct we, yeah. So you were, were you named after her? Yeah, there are like three names in my family. And I was also named after my other grandmother who was married. So it's very annoying. Okay. Um, <laughs> the, you know, what was she like? Because it's funny, not knowing a lot about the Trump family, 
Um, I did notice at the very beginning, I was one of the first people to pick up on this, Trump had a picture of his father, but not his mother, I believe, behind him on the desk. That's right. Or was it vice versa? It was one or nope. the other. His dad. His dad. There was because we, we were all commenting how there's like not only no family photos, like your kids, but or your wife, but not even your mom. Yeah. But I'm kind of curious. Now I, I had read her background. My friend Damien always reminds me, he goes, She was a maid, but she came here as a basically domestic help mm -hmm. from Ireland. Scotland. Scotland, I'm sorry, Scotland. Um, but what was she like? Did she have any good influence on him or was she, was she part of the problem or was she non-existent? Because this was a family where the sociopath dad did everything. Oh, she was a huge part of the problem. Um, oh. You know, first of all, I mean, the first way in which she was a problem was not her fault. She got ill. She had yep. serious uh, postpartum complications after my uncle Robert was born and he's about a year and a half younger than Donald. So when Rob was nine months old and Donald was two and a half, my grandmother got extremely ill and needed several surgeries and she was just in and out of the hospital and unavailable to all of her children uh, for almost a year. Hmm. Um, so that loss of his primary attachment figure was devastating. And as I said earlier, especially since nobody right. took her place in the right. interim. But I think, you know, what made that situation even worse is that when she did recover to the extent that she did, um, she didn't do enough or anything to heal the rifts that had been created between her and Donald. Um, the other thing is that even for the 40s and 50s, my family was really strictly divided along gender lines. Um, my grandmother went back to her, her village in Sco uh, Scotland almost every year and I think with with one exception, um, she only took my aunts. My dad never went with her. Oh. Uh, I think Donald may have gone once when he was very young. So, you know, they were excluded from that. And then probably the the final betrayal was when Donald got sent away to the New York Military Academy in eighth grade. And my grandmother didn't put up a fight and told me many years later that she was actually relieved to have him gone. Why relieved? Because he was awful, you know. Right, he already was causing trouble. Though. Yeah, at, at he was age. in wow. trouble at school. He was a bully. He was getting into physical fights. Um, he never listened to her. He didn't respect hmm. her. And, you know, she was a total slob and it he drove her crazy. And my grandfather, and this actually surprised me when she told me, he didn't, he didn't do anything about it because I think at that point, my dad was still the focus, was still supposed to be the, you know, the one to take over the empire. So he didn't have any use for, for Donald and wasn't going to waste his time. And he was practically never home. So it didn't really affect right. him that much. Cliff, I was going to, I don't, I didn't want to keep asking if you had anything to jump in on because I had another idea. I wanted well, to go with this. I've got other things, but I don't want to change topic yet. So go okay. ahead. Well, no, mine is changing. I wanted to get a little bit into Ivanka and the other cousins. Go for it. I've got a few things coming up. Go for it. You know, and again, Mary, I think in, I've seen, I've seen some mention in the stories of the other interviews you've done. Um, you talking about the, you know, your cousins, Donald Trump's kids, but I wanted to maybe ask you a little bit about it as well. You know, one thing that's been interesting to me is, I can understand and actually think it's a good idea of what they're doing to keep Barron out of the press, right? He's mm -hmm. a high school kid, just yep. like the, the Clintons and, and the, uh, I'm trying to think, Jimmy Carter and everybody else before him, the Obamas. You know, you really want to keep the kids out of the press, especially at that age. Great yeah, idea. They're teenagers. Um, but I get the feeling that sometimes even I forget that Donald Trump has more than three kids. It seems like it's, he's got Ivanka. Yeah. He's got Don Jr. and then maybe three-fifths of a kid in the blonde one. And then Tiffany doesn't even exist. And maybe yeah. that's Tiffany's choice, but right. she doesn't even exist. Um, and so first of all, I feel like he's got three kids. Second of all, you never see family with him. I remember when we had the government shutdown and Trump had to stay in Washington. I was home with my mom. And we both noticed it. And I went, Mom, there's pictures. of They're all in Florida celebrating New Year's. He's in D.C., like, yeah. And, yeah. She said, and she said, well, you know, the one grandkids are Jewish. I said, okay, the one grandkids are Jewish, but the other ones aren't. 
Like th this was Christmas for them. They're not with their grandpa and grandpa had to stay. And my family, grandpa's got to stay. The whole family stays. It's Christmas. Right. But that's not a Trump family value, apparently. I mean, what's what's the deal with these with with the whole gang of them? The kids, I mean, not just him. It yeah, feels dysfunctional you know, to me. Yeah. I I, <laughs> I I make you laugh on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um I don't you know, it's interesting because when um with my grandparents, there was a lot of standing on ceremony, you know. You went to their house for Thanksgiving and Christmas. We always did Mother's Day and Father's Day and my grandfather's birthday and my grandmother's birthday. Um, you know, these were at Easter. These, right, these were right. required appearances. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I had I actually had other grandparents. Um, and on a, <laughs> a couple of occasions, we went down to Florida to visit them for Christmas and just didn't get Christmas presents, um, which, you know, if you read the book about Christmas, you'll understand that that wasn't a tragedy for me, but it was pretty <laughs> rude, right? So what's weird is that that, that doesn't happen. And I, it almost feels like after my grandparents died, they were kind of free of each other, right? Uh, the yeah. And I don't think it, I'm speculating. I don't think it matters to Donald that they're together, they're not together. Right. He's not, if he has his phone and his TV, and golf or, you know, if he's somewhere where he's getting attention from people, right. it doesn't really matter. There's, there's no is. sense of, I, I just don't get a strong sense of family from the man in every way. Or, and I think, I, I think it's, it's reciprocal. I, you know, yeah. um, if they cared about him, they wouldn't let him stay in the Oval Office for one more second. Cause it's, right. Cause Why? it's, he's so, um, he seems deeply unhappy. He's completely out of his depths. You know, the distance between his incompetence and the competence needed to do his job is, I don't know, light years across. Yeah. And, and what is he getting out of it? I, I mean, he's, and he's deteriorating. So there's I, I was just right. going to ask, is the job, I was going to ask you, is he deteriorating? And if you believe he is, what you just said, is it the job or is it just his age and psychoses or whatever just get worse as you get older? Or is the job causing part of the harm, you think? Yeah, and you know, I wanna be specific about what I mean by deteriorating in a second, but yeah. you know, I've heard people sure. say, oh my God, he's so much worse. In some ways, no, he's exactly the same. The only thing that's changed is the context. You know, it's one thing if you have you know, some New York Post gossip columnist asking you what your thoughts on nuclear weapons are in the 80s, and you're never challenged and you can say whatever you want. Right. Which is exactly what he did with the Central Park Five, which was just disgusting. Just threw out whatever he felt like, because that's what he's always, yeah, exactly. Right, just stirring stuff up to get attention. Now he can't do that. I Well, don't get me wrong. It's not like he's getting enough scrutiny or uh, enough pushback, but he's getting some, he's getting more than he ever has. And he cannot speak coherently about COVID-19 or uh, the Russia bounty thing because he doesn't understand anything except does it benefit him in some way, right? Right. So when I meant he's deteriorating, I simply, you know, psychopathologies, any kind of psychiatric illness, which is like any other illness, they do get worse over time if they're left untreated and if, if you continue to put yourselves in uh, stressful situations. So like the simplest thing to say about Donald right now is that he's not going to get better and he's most certainly going to get worse. So thinking about that, because I wanted to ask you about Marianne. Um, I mean, how long, so she's a longtime judge. This is your aunt, his sister. Yeah. I, I work with the Innocence Project here. It's something that I, I know. you know, take yeah. a lot of, uh, is important to me. Yeah. And the thought, because I, I, she doesn't seem like she's sort of on the same level as Donald Trump, but certainly you don't portray her and others. She doesn't seem like a particularly good person. When I put it that way, I mean, do you think that, that she exhibits some of the same traits and that she's, it's, you know, I mean, do we think that she's been at all a competent judge or a judge that cared to mete out justice or just as somebody, do we have essentially Donald Light sitting on the bench for 30 something years? I don't, I don't um, question her 
Um, I mean, first of all, I don't know enough about what she was like as a judge, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if she served with some integrity, um, given, given um, what things that she said that seem important to her. Um, you know, she's strangely um, socially liberal. Um, you know, she's pro-choice, she's pro-marriage equality. Um, so in that regard, I, I, I'd say no, and, and I really hope that's the case. Um, and yeah. I don't have any reason not to think so. On the other hand, <laughs> like as, as a human being, um, you know, in some ways she's much smarter than Donald. Um, and she's, she actually has a good sense of humor and knows how to laugh. Um, but she's also struggles with kindness because again, in my family, to be kind is to be weak. And, right. you know, if you have ever heard Donald talk about my father, he says three things. First of all, he makes sure everybody knows he was an alcoholic. He says he was handsome, which he really was. And he says he was kind, but he says it as if that's an insult, right? As if that's not like, oh, well, you know, he was kind. That's why he ended up the way he did. Um, the other thing about Marianne that's very interesting is like she's she's a a a pale version of Donald in the in in the self self aggrandizement department. Um, yeah. She's constantly talking herself up. You know, she gave the best speech ever. It was the most well received. She was, you know, the most accomplished. Uh, she was the best prosecutor in the United States. And I'm like, how does one even? determine that but whatever so like an emmys kind of award for that kind of thing yeah i guess um but what's interesting is she doesn't say it she says it with a great deal of self-consciousness and not a lot of conviction whereas donald has no self-consciousness like he believes it from the second it comes enters his head and, and the moment it enters his uh, exits his mouth and she's always yeah not not entirely confident can i mention real quick you made me think of this the um the anecdote about when you first met Melania, Trump's current wife. <laughs> you want to yeah. tell people about it? Yeah, well, she's a brilliant conversationalist. Is uh, she? No. <laughs> oh, no, I thought, I was gonna, well, no, I thought, I thought you were joking that I thought, God, maybe we don't know no. this about her. <laughs> no, no. Uh, she said one word during the entire conversation. Oh, God. Uh, and it was in response to a lie Donald told about, told about me. Uh, he was, you know, it was just the three of us. I usually am much smarter about not arriving early, but there I was with them. And, <laughs> and then, uh, and then you're, you're trapped. Yeah, oh, gosh, exactly. that's the worst. And, you know, he started telling the story about how he hired me. And but before then, I was a total disaster. I dropped out of school and I was a drug addict or I was doing drugs. <laughs> and she said the only word she said in response to that was, really? And I said, no, 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 no. <laughs> Wait, you actually, did, you actually did say no. Yeah, honestly, this is completely true. I've never done drugs in my life. Oh. So the, I, I was going through a hard time, certainly. But, you know, I, I wasn't doing drugs in, in a gutter oh. somewhere. Um, but the, yeah, that's all. <laughs> what, a, what a crazy thing to even make up about you. Can, can you imagine being introduced to somebody going, oh, yeah, and she does drugs too. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I know, but it, doesn't it sound like him when oh, you think of the, the, the stories he tells? It's like this, oh. right, everything's so terrible, and then it's great, and it, you know. You're exactly Until I saved her. That was the point, <laughs> right. It made a yeah. better story because yeah. he was, remember, the book I was supposed to write was The Art of the Comeback. So, the worse he started out when he began his climb back up the mountain of success, the better the success seemed. So the worse I was, um, not that of course I could ever achieve the level of success he could achieve, but it, one, it made it look it, just a better story. And two, it made his willingness to hire me, um, you know, make him play a role right. in my comeback. He's such a kind-hearted uh, man, so yeah. benevolent. He hired, exactly he hired the derelict. Right. Yeah, basically. Right. right. God, I just oh can't gosh. even imagine growing up in that family. I mean, I, it's, it's just yeah. it's, but it does make me wonder about. Well, and again, uh, Don Jr. and Ivanka. Look, I think they're the two that clearly get the most attention. Don Jr. because he drives us nuts. Ivanka drives yeah. us nuts in her own way too, but a little differently. Um, 
But well, I want to I want to ask a story along those lines. I mean, yeah, go, go ahead because I want to. Uh, well, you can go ahead. I just want to make sure that at some point we delve a little bit more into Donald Jr. and Ivanka because I'd like to hear more about them. Well, no, that's what I want to ask about about Donald Jr. because the story is, yeah. and again, somebody and you may have seen this, Mary. Somebody put this up on Facebook a couple of years ago, and it actually gave me some sympathy at that time for Donald Jr. And I've tried to maintain it, but it's very difficult. Which is, yeah. the story was when he was at Penn, you know, Don Senior showing up you know, and to grab him, to drive him back up to New York, you know, Philly's only an hour and a half away for a, for a Yankees game. Mm-hmm. And, and Don Jr. is wearing, you know, a Yankees hat and, a, you know, a jersey like any kid would. And that he's supposed to be, dra- and his dad starts screaming at him on the freshman dorm hallway in front of everybody that he's not dressed appropriately and smacks him across the face to the ground. Um, you hear some of that and you see how Don Jr. so vociferously defends his dad and his dad's honor now and almost wants to be him. I mean, I don't, I don't know about your thoughts as a psychologist on that, but does it seem like we now have another re- generational repeat uh, of what we saw with Don, you know, Donald Sr. Try, or the current President Trump trying to become his dad? In other words, was Don Jr. someone who, was a more, who hated his dad, as, as was said back then, and was trying to be something different in a manner in which your father was something different, but but gave into the family pathology because of the, this kind of behavior from his dad. Yeah, and I, I would imagine that uh, just as in my grandfather's family, um, money was the only currency. You know, it stood in for everything. Uh, love, acceptance, respect. Um, I'm, I would bad money, (laughs) that the same thing is true in Donald's family. So, uh, you know, my cousin, again, I don't, I don't know him, um, any better than you do, but clearly he, he made his decision uh, about what was important to him. Um, and as for the sympathy, you know, I would say the same thing about him that I would say about Donald. Um, a lot of people in this world have horrible childhoods, and they have parents that abuse them and humiliate them and they turn out okay. And, you know, they might struggle, but they develop empathy and kindness. Um, I wouldn't recommend wasting sympathy on somebody who murders endangered species anyway. That's a great point. And I haven't been able to, I, I told you, I, I try to be a good human being. I try to, but I, I couldn't maintain any empathy for it him because how disgusting you, he is. It doesn't make you a bad human being because, uh, you know, like I said this about Donald, we can have compassion for who he, you know, that little boy who right. suffered so horribly. But Donald, the adult in the Oval Office, deserves none of it. There's so much blood on this man's hand that I don't believe that justice is even possible. You, you had said in one of the interviews, I think, that you, or maybe you said it in your book. I, I haven't read the book yet. Tell people again, by the way, the name of the book again is? Too Much and Never Enough, How My Family Created the World's Most Dangerous Man. Okay. You had Which, said, by the way, sold 950,000 copies the first week, I believe. Oh, no, no, 1.35 million Sorry, copies see, the first week. Right. Thank you. Breaking records. and uh, <laughs> Breaking Donald's many? record, by the way, selling more books than The Art of the Deal, I believe. That's really all that matters. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, oh but um, a, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, I forgot. Shoot, I forgot. Cliff and I always do this to each other. I forgot that I was in the middle of asking you a question. Ah, I don't. Got our, I don't. Know. I'm go sorry. On. That's well, okay. No, I was, how many books have you? How many copies has it sold as of this moment? I I don't know. Look at you. You're so not Trump. You're, I was just say that's such a non-Trump <laughs> answer. <laughs> Are you sure you're a Trump? <laughs> I, yeah, I, unfortunately, I am. But, but <laughs> what I'll say is, look, I don't get me wrong. It's awesome, and it's yeah, it's really nice. Um, but honestly, it's much more gratifying to me how it's being received, how it's landing. Because there, I wrote this book, which was not a pleasant experience, so that it would make a difference. I didn't know how much of a difference. I didn't know what form it would take. But I feel like it actually might, and that's the most important thing. It it just it just is. So yeah, the sales are great. Um, no, but, I, you know, I totally respect that. I, I, I you know, I just it, it's incredible. It sold a lot, but I know you wrote it for the right reasons, which is oh, I know what I was going to ask you. You got me thinking the way you were talking. You mentioned previously, as I read in the articles, and you just hinted at it right here that previously you had sympathy for Donald Trump and now you kind of don't. But I was curious, what 
possibly, or was it just his mother not being there for him? What could make someone have sympathy for him? What was it that happened or? Well, you know. It's interesting um, to say about him that somebody sympathizes for or sure. empathizes for him. Well, first of all, I'm his niece, so I wasn't privy to a lot of the horrible things he was doing, you right. know, when he was yep. in his 20s and 30s and 40s. I didn't know. Um, I had no idea. Um, and why would I? Uh, so sure. it's not like I followed him in the tabloids or anything. Um, and then as, as a trained clinical psychologist, I, I have some insight into the things he suffered from and realize on some level, um, you know, he made certain choices uh, as a way to survive. But when I started understanding just how um, horrible he's been, how racist, how misogynistic, um, how abusive, and then when he started enacting policies that were affecting not just individuals, but millions of people, um, starting with the Muslim ban through to um, the situation at the border, which is ongoing and horrific, kicking transgender troops out of the military. You know, it's like enough already. He doesn't deserve, so many other people deserve right. compassion and empathy and he no longer does. Um, it's, you know, he's just, he's crossed way too many lines. And he's not asking for it, you know. He's he's not he's not he's not contrite, and um, he's going to keep doing what he's doing regardless. What, what would you say to him if you were able to encounter him at an event or anything right now? Well, oh, I guess public or private, it's up to you. But if you actually could talk to him, would you, you arrive say way too early at a party again? Sometime? Yeah, exactly. If you made we're stuck mistake. with him and Melania, and she only uttered two or three words, so you didn't right. really talk to her anyhow. But I mean, right. is it? Or is it or is it not even worth it because you'd feel like I can't get any sense of closure because he's just so bad? Yeah, I you know, I said in one interview that I would say resign, but that would be pointless because he wouldn't do it. He's just not gonna listen to me. And now yeah, there's nothing, nothing to say that that would make a difference. Um, you know, what is he gonna do? Tell me stories about my dad? He never has. Right. Uh, why would he start now? Um, he's way too um trapped in his own narrative. And uh, you know, still believes far too powerfully in his right. revisionist history for me to get anything worth hearing from him. You've seen the Lincoln Project ads, I assume, which are the um, you know, Rick yep. Wilson and a num John Weaver, a number of Stuart Stevens, I believe, a number of people are yep. working on the project. But it's basically uh, Republican, never Trumpers, to use the word, mm -hmm. uh, and they've been doing some very powerful ads. But I get the impression from their ads that a lot of what it is is psychological war warfare directed at Trump himself to sort of yeah. put, get him off his game, make him right. even more edgy, more nervous. Um, I'm curious from your perspective, knowing him and also professionally, what would get Donald Trump's goat the most? What, what kind of an attack, what kind of a criticism would be the most upsetting to him? Well, I'd like to think that uh, my book outselling his in a week when it took his 30 years. That's <laughs> true, yeah. <laughs> But um, I have a feeling yeah. that that's bothering him. <laughs> oh, I'm sure yeah, that probably. drives him nuts. Yeah, probably. Um, and you're a woman just to boot. Yes, just, of just course. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, having it pointed out that he's never been successful, that he doesn't have nearly the amount of money that he claims to have um, hammering away at those things. And I understand their strategy. And I think it is a necessary strategy because from now until Election Day, we just need to pile on. It's dangerous because it's going to make him worse. Um, and we need, to, he will lash out and we need to be careful, but there's no other alternative. You right. know, either we need to push him past a point that's acceptable for his fellow Republicans, or we need just to, to make it, put him in a position where um, other people understand, you know, the danger we're in and the danger he poses. I have been saying this for, oh, somebody's getting a call. You know what, guys? Do you have a five? Do you have a five o'clock? You got to take. I'm so sorry. That's okay. Oh, that's okay. Mary, you, this has been almost an hour. It's been amazing. People, you. buy your book. Um, I'll tell I, people the name of your we'll book tell again. If you, more about it. We'll tell okay. more about the book when you sign off. You've been fabulous. Thank Thanks, you so much. Guys. Thank you I so really much. Love you. Bye. <laughs> bye bye. Right, we're big fans. Bye. <laughs> Hello. She's got it. Oh, I'm going to remove you. <laughs> sorry about that. I no oh, idea. Mary, bye, Mary. Bye. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. That is funny. Well, I was getting a little nervous when I saw five o'clock. She said she could it's do about an hour, which was great.
Which but I would have to be like, and we had one of the funniest endings ever to one of our shows. It was the Skype, uh, the Skype incoming. So call. for future guests, if you want to get off the show and you're on with us, you're like, I'm stuck here. Play Just the honey, somebody... play the Skype music in the background. Exactly. Oh my gosh. That's <laughs> we so got to get up this horrible show. She's great. I didn't really get to ask her more about the gay stuff, but we'll have to have her back. She's um, well, and other stuff. She's. Ter- I didn't. I didn't know that she was a listener to our podcast, which is kind of cool. I know. And, uh, well, she kept telling before the show. We were talking to her, and she kept coming up with these different. Oh, how is Sasha? She's talking to Cliff about. I mean, it was just like. Anyway, I'm very impressed with her, but she's uh Well, I, doesn't I'm like the guy. Doesn't. Like the guy. I mean, I, obviously, look, I have to be a huge fan because of what she's doing in general, but. I'd never talked to her before this, and I was very impressed with her. I mean, she just is, she's thoughtful. She kind of has it all together. And, yeah. you know, like, this is not easy. Yeah. I mean, think about, like, anybody, you know, think about if you said something nasty about a relative of yours, and then you had to, like, go and, you know, and I mean, she may run into these folks again. She may be stuck in places with them again, and she's, yeah. for the whole world, you know, basically saying my my uncle's a sociopath and he needs to go, you know, be voted out in huge numbers. I mean, and he's going to stick his troll courage. army, and he's going to stick his a, troll army on her. That's correct. I mean, she that knows can't that. be fun. Yeah, you know, he already has attacked her on his yeah. Twitter account, um, which has a lot of obviously followers. Yeah, uh, and and the, there will be more as more her books right. talked about. But anything? Did you take anything from that? I'm curious as to like what in that interview, if anything, stood out to you. Um, I was actually really interested in the fact that that she traced it all back to the grandfather. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, I, I always I, did think it, it was the mom. It's interesting. I, I, I didn't realize the dad had done that much damage. Me either. I also thought yeah. that she would, you know, it would be more that in a way just Donald is this freakish accident of, of you know, na- human nature. He's just this sociopath narcissist yeah. that hates other people. But it seems like she really takes it as she thinks that, when he was born initially, a lot of the rule was that his mom wasn't there, that his dad was a sociopath that didn't take care of him, and there actually was potentially some kindness there. And again, right. that doesn't mean, as she said, we mm-hmm. should have any sympathy for him. I'm well long past, not that I, I don't know that I ever had any sympathy for him. Initially, when I was saying, when I heard that story about him slapping the crap out of his son in front of Yeah, I of felt people, bad for Don Jr. If, it, if it's true. You know, yeah. but, but now with the stuff that Don Jr. says to people on Twitter and the stuff he pushes, you know, I'm long way past that. Yeah. So, no, I found that interesting, um, you know, and how, how sort of just, you know, matter of fact she was about stuff. I mean, again, like she's not someone he'll portray her as this, you know, disgruntled member of the family who's angry yeah. and whatever. And you just don't sense any of that. Right. There's no there's no anger in anything she was Actually, saying. She you was know what? analyzing. That's that's fascinating that you just said that because I hadn't even really picked up on it. You're right. She wasn't embittered. Didn't come she off like just, that at all. Basically, she just sort of, these people gave up on her 20 years ago or 30, hell, 40 years ago, because it was the early 80s that her father died, almost 40 years ago her father died. Because she was, she's yep. about 56 now, she was 16 at the time. Um, that They gave up on her then, and they're kind of dead to her, basically. Yeah. yeah. And she went and she made her own way. Yeah. I mean, she had yeah. something she was really interested in. She got a PhD. You know, is out there doing yeah. good. Oh, and now she's got a book that's selling gazillions But again, of like her dad, like her dad. I mean, I, I, I knew that things had kind of run in with the dad and the family, but he basically went and became a pilot at TWA and they were like, you're nuts. And also, you know, the irony too is, you know, that family. I mean, the irony too well, is- A lot of people probably, would consider- Yeah, go ahead, sorry. No, I was going to say, they probably treated the dad like it was lowly to be a pilot. Again, when your mom, when his, Trump's mom was a domestic servant- who came in from Scotland, you know, immigrated and had nothing and was, which is great. I mean, good for her. But being, a, she was, I was going to say, I mean, being a pilot for a major you know, airline is actually a pretty prestigious, you'd they're think. Not easy jobs to get. Well, but dad I mean, wanted her to be a scion of business. And you know what? As a right. pilot, you can't go and hurt people. <laughs> Quite the opposite. Right. It's almost, the only thing worse would have been a doctor, which is kind right. of what Mary became. She's actually helping people. That's the only thing worse right. than not hurting them is helping them to a Trumper, right? No, you're, I mean, that's a great point. Although, yeah, I mean, you know, what a family. I don't know what else to say. I mean, yeah. I also was going to talk to her at the, the weird connections, you know, that she brought up before we went on. I've talked about before my mom going to the same school that Donald was at. I mean, they were a number of years apart, you know, that right. kind of thing and whatever. I, I just, her story, everything about it to me is is familiar, let's yeah. say, yeah, yeah. with some of the people I was around in, 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 not to say they're just in New York. They're here in Cincinnati and they're in Chicago where you grew up and they're everywhere. Yep. But like the, that sort of elite set, 
who just are, you know, I mean, it breeds not, and not all, I don't want to act like anybody just with that money is a bad person, that kind of money, but it definitely in some people breeds sociopathy right. in a way like they don't need to care about anybody right. else, right. you know, and it becomes about gathering resources. Who has more, you know? Right. Ooh, uh, well, I mean, she, the fact that yeah. she is at least, you know, when we talk to her, seems so incredibly like has it together is frankly, Amazing. And you can see yeah, yeah, yeah. family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll say this too, and growing up gay, because that ain't easy, you know? And apparently nope. her, her grandmother had made a comment about faggots at some point. She was quoted as saying, and that's when she decided there's no freaking way I'm coming out to this family. Um, and so she went, got married, married a woman, uh, got divorced. So she's divorced now, has a kid. Um, but but she did all of that basically under the radar away from the family because it just, so imagine, I mean, and I can say being gay too, like that's a whole other level of being closeted in a way. I mean, she had to be closeted as a Trump because she didn't want to be, have anything to do with the family. And she was closeted gay in a sense, at least from the family. I, right. I would have wanted to get into this with her, like to what degree, when she actually just became openly gay, although getting married, you know, that clearly did it, but that may have only been several years ago for all I know. And I would say for our younger viewers, listeners, viewers today, Both listeners today. often, yeah. um, you know, I went to school in Greenwich Village in the 80s. And again, you know, it wasn't what it is now. Uh, for people who think it was easy to be gay in the 80s and 90s in New yeah. York, I don't know exactly how old she is, but, you know, maybe she's, late about, 50, 80s. she's about 56. She is. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, so yeah. So gay in the 80s and 90s in New York, it was not easy discrimination was still rampant. It was not the New York of today. It was not, it obviously, you know, it's changed. I, I guess what I would say, because I, I went to school in that atmosphere and the, the F word you just said that I won't say, um, you can say it. I, I will not. I can say it. Um, yes. It, it was thrown around, you know, I mean, that was a regular insult for anybody, you know, especially, you know, very, I mean, it just was thrown around very easily uh, with reckless advantage and anything as a guy, I could speak to the male experience more than the female experience that people considered feminine and boom, right. you were hit with that. It was not progressive in that way. It's become that way, thankfully, right. but it wasn't. So, right. you know, you're right. That took courage too. And that was not an easy thing uh, to navigate at that period of time in New York. Yep. Um, yep. No, I, I really enjoyed it. I felt like we we're talking to a friend. It was, yeah, it was really I liked a, her. I really, I guess that's almost good the best dry way of sense putting of humor. it. Too, yeah, right. I actually, mean, you're right. Like, Funnier than I expected, but it was. It was like actually before the show, we must have gone on for ten minutes because finally Cliff was like, "Oh God, we've got to stop or John's going to kill us because we're doing all the good stuff before the show." Right. But we just, we just, it was like chatterbox fun with an old friend I just met. Yeah, yeah that was my. Those are always the ones I really enjoy that we. You yeah, know, I think we've done a couple of those lately. Yeah, you know. We're, I will we're, say this: if I meet one more person who lives in New York after I left New York, I'm going to scream. <laughs> I keep meeting yeah. all these, in the last couple of years, I've met all these cool people. I'm like, Molly, Molly uh, Jungfast, again. Yes. Lives in New York City. I'm like, why she did does. I know you when I lived there? You, you could have gone <laughs> off and seen uh, Malcolm in, uh, in Hudson, all which is too far yeah, away, just, you know? And, uh, what do you do? I'll, yeah, be, I'll exactly. be back. All You'll right. be okay. We'll be able to travel again someday when we're past the yeah, damn In pandemic. a year and a half after I get a vaccine. Should, I will say in one way, I want to come back to talking about as we get closer, um, you know, the, the pandemic and some of the things we haven't talked about. I mean, I'll say this quickly, John, I know you're not um, a baseball fan. Mm -hmm. I am, but felt strongly that as much as I missed baseball, they should not come back. Nobody should be coming back and sharing locker rooms with COVID. And, and today it was announced the, the Miami Marlins, the team has something like 12 players and coaches with a huge outbreak of COVID. Oh. I bring that up because that's a shame and terrible for them. And now they're going to shut down a bunch of But it of also games. shows that all of them coming together just to practice are sharing it. Right. Well, and so what I'm most saying likely, is most likely. when they're telling me my kids in three weeks are supposed to go back to school, no fucking what. I mean, yeah. They, that, yeah. they're in that locker room in the indoor area for, you know, what, an hour or two before a game, maybe an hour or two after a game. They want kids in indoor schools for eight hours together. And they're not going to, they think that this, yeah. this thing is, I mean, we got, so I don't want to get to that now. I mean, this was a great interview, and a great, but, yep. I, but we'll come back to talking about that because that needs to be spoken about more as, as the, these weeks are going on that yep. we have a plan right now. And, and if, it, if what happens, what happened in Israel, for example, where there was a mass outbreak when they went back to school, I mean, we could be looking at a whole another yep. a higher wave of this yep. if it's not handled right. So 
And I'm sure we'll have more outrages to talk about next time. But that's I think that's about it. All we I've shall. got for this time. Yep. I think we're probably coming back Wednesday, right? We had said. Well, it can so it can be for me. I've, I'm doing a little long weekend thing, and it turns right. out we're not leaving Thursday. We're leaving Friday. So okay. Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday we can Thursday. do our next one. Great. Then we'll see you guys Wednesday or Thursday. And uh, don't think we're going to be topping this interview for a while, but we're going to try. No. <laughs> Malcolm Nance and uh, and uh, Mary, Mary Trump, Trump in a row. That's a Mary that's Trump. a high, those two is a, that's a, you know especially Mary today. What a high point Oof. for our our little project here. Exactly. All right. Uh, thanks for joining us, guys, and we will see you later in the week. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Take care. Bye. Do, do, do. I have no idea how to turn off the recording. Stop recording. I guess I'm doing the thing that I do when I have to go. Do, do, do. Okay. Well, I couldn't remember how to turn off the recording. Bye, guys. Take care. (laughs)